What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's uh, guest special edition of the Unit Report, where it would be, it is, we're in a free agency now. Um, I'm your semi-host, Troy, with my uh, sidekick, Lucas, and this one's pretty much going to be pretty NHL heavy, as we have uh, a fairly good amount of trades and um, the usual um, October free agency. Yes, yes, of course. Um, so I think we're going to get right into this with the – I guess we'll go with the big one for the Penguins with um, Matt Murray got traded to Ottawa for the second round, the 52nd pick in Jonathan Gruden, and then he signed an extension. Was it later that day or like the day after? He goes the they for 6.25 mil over a four-year term. So, Lucas, what are your thoughts on this? I think we all knew we all saw we all knew Murray was leaving, but it's uh, first and foremost. Uh, every time you call me a sidekick, it just it gets me going. It gets me motivated for the day. Um, yes, good thing, good thing this is happening at night, so I can. Uh, go to sleep immediately after this and uh, cry myself to sleep. Um, Matthew Murray in his great years in Pittsburgh. Uh, the price is a little lower than I thought we could. I thought we could have got a little more, more for him. Uh, we ended up picking a goalie with that second round pick, that 52nd overall pick. Uh, I forget his name. He's a European goaltender. Uh, a lot of people, oh, Joel Blomquist, I believe his name was, something like that. Uh, so we're replenishing the goalie prospect pool as guys have graduated. Murray's going to be great for them, I think. I think his age fits their rebuild perfectly. It's the kind of uh, deal you'd expect. I, I was really afraid that Ottawa was going to go out and sign one of the older free agent goaltenders, and then that wouldn't have aligned very well with their rebuild. Murray's the perfect age for that, with that, for that team with their core of young guys. That's like Brady Kachuk. Uh, Thomas Shabbat, the guys that they drafted this past week. It's going to line up perfectly. Uh, he should do great for them. He's been inconsistent, but I mean, coming from a Penguins fan to uh, Ottawa, this guy's probably going to be one of your best goalies you've had in the past. I mean, since the franchise started in the 90s, I think this is going to be, he's going to be a great guy. And, uh, you know, I'm, we're going to miss him here. Yeah, he definitely had, yeah, I, I think he served his time here. It, it was just kind of weird with him because it's like he showed up whenever um, all cylinders were firing and then it just kind of like died off from here and we're kind of in the position we are now. Um, yeah, I guess I think Ottawa is definitely one of the better fits for him just because they're, yeah, they, they are rebuilding and at least it's like, He's not going to be – I don't know how to put it. Like, he's not going to be, like, the star player, the one for everyone to look up to. I think he'll be – he'll definitely be, like, a pretty good fit for them overall. And then, I guess, congrats on getting that um, contract. And at the same time, at the same time, though, they're such, like, a young team that they now have a guy that they can look towards, like, those young guys and, like – see like ask him ask him and like he could be a mentor for them like how to perform in the playoffs how to uh get to that next step because he's had so much success in such a short amount of time and these guys are like starting like at the very bottom here like they were 
they were the worst team this past year. You can only go up from here. And once they be, start contending, he's going to be the kind of guy that they look up to, those young guys. So I think he fits into everything that they need. And um, about the guy, the, the guy that they picked with that second round pick, I heard uh, that he was the second best goalie in the draft. They were saying he was also the second goalie picked in the draft, but all the like uh, analysis were saying that he, they projected him to be the second best goalie out of the draft other than the uh, Russian goalie that got picked in the first round by Nashville Askarov. And I don't know much about Jonathan Gruden other than he has a football name and not much of a hockey name, but uh you know, uh, I, I see this trade being pretty good for the Penguins. It was It's a very saturated goalie market, like we've been saying for the past couple episodes. So the price for a goalie in a trade, you weren't going to get as much as in other years. So I kind of expected this low return. And I, I don't hate it. There's a lot of hate online about it, but I it's acceptable to me. I don't know how you feel. Um, yeah, definitely. We're really in an oversaturated goalie market as we'll get into, but um, yeah, I don't think it was too bad because the Penguins ultimately needed to end up dumping the salary. So, I mean, it, I, it, that could have been worse. You just kind of have to move on at this point. And I think that's ultimately what they needed to do. I agree. Um, would you like to move on? Sure. So, our boy Jack Johnson, who just got bought out and is now going to be paid, what, $3 million or something by the Penguins for the next, like, three years or something? The, the structure of the buyout's odd, but it's basically $1 million for the next two years, $2 million the third year, and then the last three years is going to be 900000 So he's making, like, $2 million a year from the Penguins at the end of the day. She just got picked up by the Rangers for a one-year, $1.1 million contract. Awful. Um, I don't even have thoughts on this because I, I think we've covered, we've covered this enough where it's like this is the salary that this man deserved. I don't know. I feel like this is even much. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how this man goes from making, like, $3.5 million a year to this. I, I talked to Dylan about this today and um, I just, it, I saw a lot of people, a lot of Rangers fan, fans online trying to rationalize that it's a, an okay deal because he's making less than he did with the Penguins. That's not the case. He's not a replacement level NHL player. Like the bare minimum, the replacement level guy would make minimum $700,000. He's making $1.1 million and he is a net negative when he's on the ice. He doesn't, it's not that he doesn't help your team. He actually, he actively negatively impacts them. He's worse than useless. He is worse than useless. If he was just neutral, that maybe it'd be worth the 1.1, but he is worse than that. That's how bad he is. And he's making more than league, I mean, more than league minimum with the New York Rangers, who, by the way, I was all for their rebuild. I was all for their offseason, what they were doing. They got really lucky winning the draft lottery. They've had a really great build here over the past few years. And this one just perplexes me. I don't understand what they're doing here. They did just trade Mark Stahl. So maybe they need another terrible defenseman. They just feel the need that they need someone back on defense that's just god awful. Maybe that's they're filling that need. I don't know why they need, they need to fill it, but whatever. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
And I personally, as a Penguin fan, look forward to them playing Jack Johnson a, a few times next season because that's going to be great. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that anyone picked him up, to be honest with you, but... I'm surprised anyone offered uh, a it, minimum. <laughs> not a problem, so I don't really care, do whatever you want. If, if we want to talk about contracts, then we could just do like three episodes on the freaking Pirates, but... Um, and uh, useless deals, but yeah, moving on, um, former, I guess, former defenseman from the Penguins, Justin Schultz signed a two-year deal for four mil with the Capitals. Yes. Forgot to put that, yes. Yeah. So, he has found a new home. Um, What are your thoughts on this? Alleged defenseman, Justin Schultz. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, it's just the rite of passage. You know, every time a Penguin defenseman hits UFA, uh, a mediocre Penguin defenseman becomes a UFA, they have to sign with the Washington Capitals. That's Brooks just, Orpik. Brooks Orpik. Matt Neskinen. Matt, uh, yeah, Matt Neskinen, not Justin Schultz. I don't remember if Gonshar was a free agent, but he definitely be- went from the Penguins. No, he went from the Capitals, I think, to the Penguins. Never mind, that's wrong. But anyways, reverse. Yes, apologies. I don't know why I made that uh, reference at all. But um, I think in their system, he's the kind of guy that can work because he's the kind of guy you can just throw on the power play and not give many big responsible minutes to, and he can thrive. I think he was given a top four role over the past like few seasons, and he was expected to be more defensively sound than he actually is with Pittsburgh and it didn't work for him. And especially this plot, this last playoff series against Montreal, he was terrible. He, I mean, he, uh, I think he was unfairly given more of the blame than Jack Johnson was, but both of them were very bad. Especially by management. Yeah. Oh, by management. They really threw shit under the bus. Buried, he got buried by JR. And then um, they defended Johnson to the better end. And now we're here where uh, none of them are penguins anymore. I think part of that was politics because they knew Schultz was gone and they weren't sure if Johnson was going to be gone or not. So Schultz was walking away no matter what Johnson, they may have had to deal with for another few years if they hadn't bought him out. But luckily for penguin fans sake, they're both gone. We don't have to worry about them. And I expect him to come back and score some points, some big goal against us. It's just how it works. He's or he's gonna like have a beautiful feed to Ovi, and Ovi's just gonna rip it home against uh, Tristan Jari. It's how it works, but I don't. It's coming. Yeah. I don't hate the signing. How do you feel? Um, I don't know. I don't hate it. It's just it's kind of one of those deals where like once they leave the Penguins, it's kind of do whatever you want. So, I'm surprised. You know what I mean? It's like not our problem. He's yeah. I'm surprised he didn't get more term. I'm like, he's not that old. I think he may have just turned 30, maybe. Let me check on that. But uh, normally guys at his stage can see, yeah, he's 30. Like a four-year deal or something. Yeah, like a, like a th- at least three, if not four or five. He was only able to get a two-year deal, which goes to show you how, like, cash poor these teams are now after COVID. They're not, like, unless you're one of the top guys, which we'll get to, they're not signing you to big money or big term. So for the Capitals, I think it's a pretty low-risk contract. And, um, you know, for Schultz, I mean, 
he gets to play with Ovechkin, so I'm sure he's okay. Very true. Speaking of cash poor teams, Alex Petrangelo signed with the Vegas Gold Knights for a seven-year contract at 8.8 mil. With this signing, I believe it puts them, what, $9 million over the cap or something? I think it, right at the moment it's seven, but within the next day it's going to change because they have to move somebody. Okay, so right now they're at seven million over the cap. Um, first, I guess, what are your thoughts on the signing? And second, what happens with Vegas since they are essentially one star over the cap or two decent players over the cap? What needs to change? I think I know what you're going to say, but let's hear it. Well, uh, I think it was unfair to call them cash poor. They're definitely not cash poor, but they are cap poor. Uh, like cap poor, yeah. The, the reason that they're, that they're able to make this move is because their owner isn't afraid to just spend wads of cash. And uh, most of the other owners in the NHL aren't doing that right now. But for some reason, Bill Foley, owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, just says F it and does it. Which uh, he's, he has full sense since they've been in the NHL, and I'm, I'm all for it. He, Alex Petrangelo, is automatically the greatest player in Vegas Golden Knights history, which is saying a lot because they have Mark Stone. They've had Marc-Andre Fleury for the past few seasons, um, even Pacioretty. But uh, Petrangelo is a different level. He is a top five defenseman in this league. He And 8.8 million sounds like a lot because it's a lot more than anyone else is getting this free agency. But if you take a look at the Eric Carlson contract, which I think is 11 million or 11.5, something like that. And he's not, he are arguably is as good as Petrangelo, but in the past year or two, he's been worse. So this deal I think for Vegas is great. Other than the fact that now they need to move money earlier in the week, they moved Paul Stastny back to the Winnipeg jets. He was there for only the trade deadline and my dogs are barking now. Amazing. Um, and, but they're going to move, Mark. You know what? You talk for a second. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I don't really know how to feed off of that, but uh, I'll just feed in my thoughts. So, I think it, it was definitely a good time for Vegas because they're just a, they're a team where I don't want to say they're not all, um, like, big-name players, but they have so many that are – so many, I guess, good players that I kind of wonder how um, his performance is going to be. Because if you look at it, it's like he's going from basically being the star player in St. Louis to now where he's going to Vegas, where I guess the pressure is kind of off of him. So you wonder if he'll be able to step it up or what's really going to happen. Because um, the way I was thinking of this is looking at the um, Phil Kessel trade from the Penguins, where he kind of went from like – being really good and didn't have like that much, I guess, pressure put on him because he wasn't the star player. And then going to somewhere like Arizona where he essentially is number one or that guy and just can't do it. So you wonder if he's going to get even better now that he is with other guys where he's no longer the, I guess, focus point for that entire team. But um, yeah, with the contract, he's definitely up there with uh, best defenseman in the league. So, uh, whenever, even whenever you're, um, yeah, top five, top ten, you're going to be getting dished out the contracts. I mean, it's essentially a Latin contract for what they paid him when, I guess, he was up there at the um, top 
five top ten players a couple years ago because they're roughly getting paid pretty close to the same within, I think, a million of each other. So, um, I think the difference, yeah. the difference is, though, is that Petrangelo right now is better than Latang ever has been. Like, yeah. Latang has never been. Well, the salary shows. Yeah, Latang's never been a top five defender in the league, I, don't, I think. I, he's probably been hovered around top ten, but I don't think he's ever been as good as Petrangelo is right now. And he's, I, I think part of what you were saying about being the guy, he doesn't have to be captain anymore. I mean, I don't know if that's part of the deal with Vegas. I don't know if he's going to get the captaincy because they've, they haven't even had a captain yet. But in St. Louis, he was the captain. He was the guy who raised the Stanley Cup for them for the first time in their franchise history. He's no longer, he no longer has that responsibility on him. We don't, like I said, we don't know though if something is going to happen where he may be captain here in the next season or two but he's going to just be an incredible defenseman. And he's not their only like top of the league defenseman that they have. Shea Theodore really broke out this past season. And I think he received a good amount of Norris votes. So you have two guys there that are contenders for the Norris trophy. And on top of the team that they have already, which is Robin Leonard, who is a top five goalie in the league at worst top eight. And you have the offense that they've, built there off of like just cheap like knockoff guys that no one wanted during the expansion draft that's I mean they've been a team they've been a problem the past I mean since they've been in the league but this next season they're going to be a legit problem Petrangelo really puts them like through the ceiling in my opinion yeah I think they're definitely going to be a team where if they they're going they should win a cup at least a cup in the next one to two years. Because if you look, if, if they can still perform like this and they're looking at, um, and you're looking at the same scenario, like three, four years down the line when people, guys come around for contracts, they're easily going to be making over, it's usually going to be an um, hundred mil cap with all these guys getting bonuses and stuff. Like all these guys compared to this day, they're easily going to be making over a hundred million dollars. So it's almost a steal getting some of these guys now on the lower contracts, and then now they're peaking. So this is definitely your time. If they're gonna, if they're gonna do it, it's uh, this next season or the year after that. I know it's gonna be a really weird season with um, Corona and all that stuff, but uh, I think they're definitely they're either a the biggest threat or definitely one of the biggest threats in this entire league by far. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um... But the, well, uh, one thing I wanted to point out is that the assumption I think that you and I were making was that Flurry's the odd man out and he's going to get dealt. But from what I've been reading, uh, there is an article that came out where someone talked to the owner, Bill Foley of the, of the Golden Knights, that said that they, they conceivably could like see Flurry staying because at this point, most of the teams have their goalie situation sorted out like we we're going to get to in a few minutes here, all of the goalies that signed or have been traded or whatever, most of the positions that needed to be filled have been filled and not many teams can afford a $7 million goalie at this point. So last night before Petrangelo signed, cause he just signed literally 15, 20 minutes ago. Uh, the rumblings were that Nate Schmidt was going to get moved out because he's making 5.95, basically $6 million but then they still need money because it's like 7 million that they're down. So it's going to be interesting. And 
to your point about the guys that are going to be needing re-signed, most of their core guys are signed for a very long time. Mark, Mark Stone is for another seven years. Uh, William Carlson, seven years. Now Petrangelo, seven years. Shea Theodore's five. Robin Leonard's five. Uh, Marcius is four. Alex Tuck is six. They're not going to have to – the core guys that they have there, they're not really going to have to pay more at least for the foreseeable future. So I think they could really that, – that's probably why they make this deal is because they can just go for a run at this point. They have nothing to lose. Yeah, I don't know. I look at it this way because, like, is it the core guys that really win the Cups or is it whenever it comes down to um, the end of the season and you're getting a couple rentals that throws the teams over the edge where it's like you have – yes, you have your core set of, I guess, you know – five or six guys, but then it's the, um, I guess, small additions where they're not huge names where if you get, um, you know, two, three, four of those guys, you're now considered an elite team because it's just even having those, um, yeah, even having those uh, small contributions that will really add up at the end, especially if there's some great chemistry with some of these core guys. I think that's the way I look at it, at least. Yeah, that's part of it. I just think that, if you look at the past Stanley Cup champions, the Lightning don't win the Cup because of Zach Bogosian or like Patrick Maroon or Barclay Goodrow. They win because of Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman. It's those it's guys. It's a team effort, though. It's not an individual effort. Okay, but you're comparing like guys who scored like five points in the playoffs to guys that scored almost 30. You see what I'm saying? No, but I'm, I guess, but like, I don't know. It's like if you move Sidney Crosby to the Buffalo Sabres, they're still going to suck. Yeah, that's a good point. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like take take the top six off the Penguins and move them to Detroit. You're still not making the playoffs. You mean all like all six guys? Move, the, move six core guys. Take. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that. If I think if you move six core guys to the Red Wings, I think they're – at least make no way because they're getting a lot. They're getting what they're getting the top line. Um, okay, now I want to do play this game. Let's do it. They're getting the top line or two. Yeah, I tell me you're getting one full, you're getting one full line of forwards, maybe um, a guy or two for the second, and then probably a defenseman. So their first line would be Larkin, Crosby, Gensel. Okay, their second line would be. Malkin, Rust, I don't know, Robbie Fabry. And then on defense, you have, what, Chris Letang. Chris Letang and Troy Stetcher. That's a guy that they signed this offseason, Troy Stetcher. Uh, Thomas Grice Bernier. If you take the six best players on the Penguins and put them on the Red Wings, they're at least a playoff team. I, I, no, I was, no yes, way. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. No yes, they are. You are really, you're underselling how important – Crosby, Malkin, Latang, like Gensel, like those guys. Dude, you take those guys off of the Penguins. They're Dude, look how much two players affected the entire outcome of the playoffs. Look at Schultz and Johnson, and and look at what happened to the Penguins. Yeah, they, they two guys can negatively impact the team just as much as two guys can positively. That's what I'm saying. Those two guys, and they destroyed. I mean the. Not them single-handedly. It was a group effort, but, like, they're definitely two, I guess, eyesores. 
okay, look at all the years that we added. Uh, like when we didn't win, we added Aginla, we added uh, Doug Murray, Brendan Morrow. We still couldn't get over. When if you you have the core of Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Gensel, you lose those guys, you're auto, like automatically like suffering. You if you have to move guys like Jared McCann to your first line. You're losing your core, your top six. No, 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 no. I don't think you understand. I'm saying we're switching core guys. Like, take take your five core guys or whatever from us in Detroit and flip them. Yeah, the Penguins aren't making the playoffs. Detroit isn't either. I think Detroit has a better chance. I think the Penguins have a better chance. I think it used to be more of a team thing. But I think more recently, like – individual efforts can put you over. I think winning the cup is a team effort. I agree with that. But if you look at the Oilers without McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're not winning the, I mean, they're not going to the playoffs. They're not. And they made it to the qualifier this year, which arguably is playoffs, arguably isn't. But without those two guys, they are like probably the worst or second worst team in the league. Eh. That's my argument. I guess. But then whenever – I don't know. I feel like you could have said that about the Penguins whenever uh, Crosby won on, um, like, I guess the long-term injury thing, and then you had the two or three guys that stepped up and managed to hold them up there. So Even when Crosby was out, though, like we had Malkin. And whenever Crosby's injured, Malkin goes beast mode. You know what I'm saying? I wish he could stay in permanent beast mode, but, you know. He only does beast mode a couple times a year. All right. I think we need to move on. Okay. So that's everything Not about – Yeah, we were talking about Petrangelo, and we got to, we got to that. Um, yes. Yesterday, um, Taylor Hall shocked the hockey world by signing with the noted contender, contending team, Buffalo Sabres, $8 million for one year. I have some strong opinions on this, but what, what, how do you feel about this? He loves the money. Can give a crap less if he has a cup. I disagree. He he went to the Sabers. There okay. is no way. Okay, but he could have gotten. He's betting on himself. He's making a one-year bet. You can't tell me a guy of his caliber couldn't have gotten at least like a five-six-year deal. He picked one year. But like, why? Like, the Sabres aren't winning the Cup this year. There's no one that's even going to pick that. Because he, this is my rationale. He's betting on himself. He's going to play on, to the left of Jack Eichel, who's a top-five player in the world. And he's probably going to put up at least, like, 90, 100 points playing with Jack Eichel. And even if they don't win, which they're the Sabres, they're not that improved, they probably won't go to the playoffs. Or if they do, they probably won't be that successful he still gets to go into next off season when teams are making more money and are going to be more willing to spend more money. And he's going to be able to sit down for a free agency again next year with teams and say, look, I just put up a hundred points. Now you're going to give me $10 million for seven years. Okay, fine. And um, if we're going that route, then look at the Oilers. So you're saying this is going to be another um, McDavid Drysaddle type deal, except with Jack Eichel. What do you mean? Oh, you mean like he's going like, to feed, he's, he's feed off of being Eichel? I mean, being with you Eichel? two guys run the show because you said that arguably the Oilers would be the worst or one of the worst teams in the entire league without McDavid and Dreisaitl. Correct. 
So theoretically, if your formula runs here, then that would make the Sabres somehow a cup contender because they're already one of the worst teams in the entire league. That's why. So no, not a not a cup contender. I think they they could they could squeak their way to the playoffs. Same way Edmonton. I guess, but I think people have been talking about Edmonton to win the cup more than they have in the past ten years. Okay, it doesn't matter what people are talking about. They've made the playoffs like kind of twice if you count the qualifier. If you don't count the qualifier, they made the playoffs once with McDavid. I'm saying that Buffalo with Taylor Hall now could theoretically make the playoffs. I don't think that there's a great chance for it, but you can squeak your way to the like wild cards. Like look at the teams in the uh, East. Like there are like there are enough teams that are going to be objectively bad. They could squeak their way in. Ottawa is going to be objectively bad again. Detroit's going to be objectively bad again. I see New Jersey being pretty bad again. Islanders are think I think are going to get worse. All you need to do is be in the top eight of the teams in the conference. And it's going to be a shortened season. So all you need to do is go on a heater and you're in the playoffs. So I, I think my rationale there is pretty, uh, pretty sound. I don't know. I don't, I'm not, I don't think I'm that big of a believer, but uh, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, next, do you want to get into, I guess, what is, how, what is now turned into just a gigantic goalie swap is yes. for lack of better terms where everyone just kind of shifted. Yes. A lot of goalies flipped around the league. Uh, so we're gonna, the first one we're going to do is the biggest deal that happened among goalies is the Jacob Markstrom signing. He leaves Vancouver to go a little further East in Canada to Calgary, Alberta, joining the Flames on a six-year, $6 million per contract, $36 million total. I think this is great for Calgary. I think that they haven't had a solid, definitive number one goalie in – I don't even – I can't even uh, – Mika Kiprasov. I think Mika Kiprasov was the last, like, solid number one goaltender in Calgary. Since then, they've just been flipping around with guys like Cam Talbot, David Riddich, uh, Mike Smith. Now they have a no-doubt starting goaltender, a guy who had, was one like a top-five goalie this past season and automatically makes Calgary better because they're replacing Cam Talbot with Jacob Markstrom. That's an upgrade to me. So I think that's good. It's a good deal, I think, for Markstrom. I think he finally gets term and a uh, good, you know, AAV. So what, what do you think about Markstrom to Calgary? Um, I definitely think it helps them. I don't think it throws them over the edge whenever it comes to making the playoffs again because I think they're still kind of down in that, um, I guess, loop with, like, you know, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Minnesota, all those guys I think are kind of in the same bubble. I think it helps them out, but I, I, there's still more that is uh, needed to get this team into the playoffs. That helps. Well, they made the playoffs, didn't they? I'm pretty sure that they made the playoffs, and I think they won, they won their round. Didn't they play the Jets, I think? I don't remember. I think they played the Jets. In no, they wouldn't, have made the, they wouldn't have made the playoffs if we did the conventional round. 
If we oh. did the, I'm talking, if we did the conventional playoffs, they wouldn't have made it. Okay. Well, they would have fallen just short. I think he's a, enough of an upgrade that uh, I think they're more a stable of a contender. I've never been able to bet on Calgary because their goaltending's always been kind of ass. Like Cam Talbot, I don't trust Cam Talbot that much. We're, we'll get into his signing here in a little bit. Uh, Mike Smith for the longest time. Now he's in Edmonton, but I didn't trust him. David Riddich, their uh, backup now. Didn't trust him when he was the starter. I think Markstrom's going to be the most stable goalie they've had in quite a long time. And they're more reliable of a team now than ever. So I'm with it. See what happens. Um, next big signing, Braden Holtby signs a two-year deal for 4.4 mil with the Vancouver Canucks. At first glance, I think it's a good deal for the Canucks. But if you look at his numbers, Holpe hasn't been great over the past season or two. He has won a Vesna Trophy, so he has the prestige of being the best goalie at, at a given point in his career. I don't think he's the goalie he once he was. He also has a cup, that is true. But a lot of the moves Vancouver's done this past – I mean, this like over the past week here – have really made me scratch my head. Um, it's not terrible. It's not that high of a risk. I just think it seemed like if you're going to let Markstrom go, you should probably let Thatcher Demko have a chance at being the starter because he was great at the few games he played in the playoffs. He's always been touted as like the next like star goalie in the league. So I'm kind of surprised they didn't give him the shot. And with if you're paying 4.4 million over the next two years to Holtby, you're paying him to be your starter. You're not paying 4.4 to be a backup. So it's a little interesting. I don't love it, but like I said, it's not too high of a risk, so it passes. True. Um, I guess we'll kind of go out of order here with the next one, where I think this definitely has more. Um, I don't want to say sentimental value to people than anything, but um, King Lundquist is out of New York and signed a one-year, $1.5 million contract with the Capitals. He's still in the, um, the red, white, and blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I, I think – I feel like at this point you're kind of – Paying just for the name and I guess the personality because I think we can all agree that he is um, very well past his time. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is it. I think he's just going to – this is kind of how they all go out where they just go with their one – they're basically a rental for a year and then that's kind of it. I think this is kind of the end of it, unfortunately. But, um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to kind of suck if uh, he ends this without a cup. I mean, I obviously don't want the Capitals to win the Stanley Cup, but he's the kind of guy that, like, was so good throughout his entire career that you kind of wish at some point he would have gotten his due and was able to get a cup. He was there in 2014 against the Kings whenever he let up that overtime goal to Alec Martinez, and he was just so heartbroken. You could see it, him sitting there uh, – as the Kings were celebrating and how sad he looked, because that was probably his best chance to win a cup. And it's going to, it's probably all or nothing this year he's going with. And he took a really cheap deal. He's still getting paid pretty handsomely by the Rangers for the buyout. 
he's going to get a uh, 1.5 million over the next two years for the buyout, and he's getting 1.5 now with the Capitals. He's not like like you said, he's not the goalie he once was. His best hockey's a hundred percent behind him. He's thirty-eight years old, and goalies typically age pretty poorly. But he's had an amazing career. I don't hate him as a backup or splitting the starts. Since now Hopi's gone, their starter or I guess their other goalie is Ilya Samsonov, who is a really young goaltender, and now he gets to split starts with one of the greatest to ever do it, Henrik Lundqvist. So. I think it's going to like be great to have him mentor Samsonov. I think splitting the starts is probably going to be good for both of them because Samsonov's kind of trending upwards to where he's going to be a starter in the next year or two. And Lundqvist is going from being a starter to, to being a backup now. And it made sense because the Rangers didn't have room for him. They have two great young goaltenders in um, Igor Shesterkin and Alex Georgiev. So it wasn't going to work in New York. And in Washington, it kind of makes sense. I just think it's going to be awkward to see how, like him play the Rangers because I'm sure they're going to give him one of the starts against the Rangers because they're in the Metro, so they're going to play multiple times. And I'm sure if they play at uh, Madison Square Garden and there's fans there, they're going to let him at least get his moment. It's going to be Flurry again. It's going to be Flurry round two. Yeah, I think the only difference is I think he didn't have – like the he doesn't have the championships, but I think he's had. I think he's a better goalie when it's all said and done than Mark Mark Andre. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's probably a lock for the Hall of Fame. He's had an amazing career, but it'd be really nice if he got his Ray Bork moment and was able to get a send off with the cup. But you know, we'll see what happens. True. And then um, I guess up next, Cam Talbot is now moving uh, south of the border to Minnesota as he has inked a three-year deal with the Wild at 3.6 mil. Um, what do you think of this? I think Cam Talbot must love shitty weather because he's been with Edmonton, Calgary, and now he's going to Minnesota. That dude must like be a polar bear or something because he must love freezing to death. But other than that, that's a lot of money for Cam Talbot. I don't think Cam Talbot's very a very reliable goaltender. And we're going to talk about next year. Minnesota needed their goaltender because they traded their previous starting goaltender to San Jose. And Cam Talbot, I think, was just like the last guy left in free agency among goaltenders. So they, they kind of have like the last pick of the crop here. I just don't like Cam Talbot very much. I don't think he's a very good goaltender. And for three years and 3.6, I think that's an overpayment. At best, he's like a fringe starter, in my opinion. Maybe like a guy that you can like split starts with, with like another goaltender, but I don't like the deal for either Minnesota or Cam Talbot. Because Minnesota is also a young team. Why? Why is this a bad deal for Cam Talbot? He's getting paid. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Look at this from Jack Johnson. It was a phenomenal deal for him. Sure, but, like, Cam Talbot's not – he's, like, not a young guy. And, like, he's handcuffed himself to a mediocre to bad team for three years. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think he would have been in a better situation if he took, like, a, a less term, less money deal with, like, a better team just to be their backup. In my opinion. But well, what do you think? Um – I, I think it's a little bit much, but 
I don't know. You you wonder how this is going to affect them like down the road, considering that basically what this is is this is now a replacement for Dubnik, who got traded to the Sharks. So I don't know. I feel like I kind of want to say Dubnik's. I don't know. I don't know what to think of this because Dubnik is also. I think he's what. Breaking news. What? Uh, in order to make room for. Uh... Petrangelo, Vancouver, uh, not Vancouver. Vegas trades Nate Schmidt to Vancouver. Wow. So, so there's, there's part of that money. For a third-round pick, that's all they were able to get because they had to dump the money. They get a third. So that's a great deal for Vancouver. Holy shit. I'm assuming Fleur, they still need to move out another million because uh, – It ain't going to be Flurry then. No, no, Flurry must be Stan, but there has to be some something else has to give, but it's going to be a lot smaller. So there's the big domino to fall. Nate Schmidt is going to Vancouver. Sorry, I didn't mean Shocker. to interrupt you, but that's no. Um, anyway, what I was saying is, uh, yeah, Dubnik's not that young. I think he's what 34, 35. So I don't know. You just wonder because these are two teams that have kind of been like not like phenomenal, but like. They're close, so you just wonder if, like, either just having the fresh face is going to really, I guess, help change things. Yeah, it could be it. Um, Minnesota's been very stale the past, like, h- half decade. You, you Look know, at San Jose. Yeah, we're going to get into that in that one right now. They San Jose trades for former Minnesota Wild goaltender Devin Dubnik. And in a separate trade with the Wild, they also acquired uh, young center Ryan Donato. I don't mind the Donato deal. I think he's a young guy that has potential. Uh, not very well known, uh, but I think he's going to make a name for himself in San Jose. I'm assuming that San Jose lets Thornton walk, and that opens up a spot for Donato. But that's besides the point. I think this deal's terrible. <laughs> not from Minnesota. Minnesota's getting rid of Dubnik, so that's good. I thought they were getting rid of Dubnik to get a better goalie. There was uh, rumbles of Flurry and Murray and or Murray because there's the obvious Bulgarian connection to both of them, but that didn't happen. They ended up going with Talbot, but San Jose now has Devin Dubnik and Martin Jones as their, as their tandem. And they are both not very good goaltenders. Oh, I, mean, I never thought of that. I was going to say, that's kind of expensive. And they're making a lot of money and they're not very good. So I'm not sure what San Jose is doing. Doug Wilson, their GM, was on such a heater all those years. He was just doing, like, deal after deal, like, great deal. And now he's stuck with two an $8 million goaltending duo of two bad goalies. So, I don't. What, what's your opinion on that? I don't know. I'm still with the thing where if you wonder if it's just having just two new faces is going to help them out. Because it's like, I don't know, Minnesota was close to making the playoffs. San Jose, not so much. But I don't know. You just wonder if uh, – that's where I'm at. You wonder if, like, even just changing a couple of things is going to help them out. Because I think they're at the point of where it's like you're not at quite at, like, rebuild, but you're also not at, like, we need to do everything we can in the next, like, year or two to go for it. I think this is just more of a – change things up and see and see what happens and I guess we'll go from here but yeah I don't know I guess the salary cap is going to eventually catch up with San Jose from what it sounds like but and it's funny um, too because they're not even good <laughs> true 
All right, moving on. So um, Alex Petrangelo has already been replaced with Tory Krug as he now gets a seven-year deal for 6.5 with St. Louis. I like this deal a lot. I really do. I think uh, if that's all it took for them to get Krug, I'm surprised that there weren't like a line of teams trying to get Krug. Krug has been unbelievable over the past few seasons, especially on that cup run last year with the Bruins, whenever they made it to the final and lost to St. Louis, he he's incredible. I'm surprised that Boston didn't try harder to sign him because if they, they, if they, they could have offered that exact same deal and he probably would have resigned. But word is that the last contract offer that they offered him was over a year ago. So they were pretty dead set on not having him return, which is really blows my mind and I don't think he's on Petrangelo level I especially defensively he's not but he does fill the like the number one defender void in St. Louis already like right away we're like automatically he's the probably like the best guy already and they have a pretty good blue line with Colton Pareko Vince Dunn Justin Falk isn't as good but he's still pretty he's still pretty good so, you know, Vince, I think I said Vince Dunn, I don't remember. But um, they have such a good blue line. Krug is great. I, I love the deal. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be weird seeing him in a different jersey because he's been with um, Boston for quite a number of years now. But, yeah, I think it will definitely be a pretty good fit. Um, I'm not – quite sure that it'll be like a one-for-one replacement just because they're different. They have like different playing styles, but yeah, I, I could see this working out pretty good. Um, yeah, I guess next thing we'll jump into is uh, uh, Chris Tanev inked a deal in Calgary for four years at four and a half million. Um, I believe we talked about, I don't know if it was last episode, but uh the speculation that he would come to the Penguins and possibly join, I, I guess not even join, I guess take over one of the empty spots. But he's now with the Flames. Yeah, he takes over the Travis Hamannick spot because Hamannick is still a UFA. Uh, but he fills the same void that Hamannick leaves the right-handed defensively responsible defenseman. I wouldn't, there was a lot of people on Twitter saying that him coming to Pittsburgh would have been a mistake. His advanced analytics are pretty bad, but they're not as bad as Jack Johnson. I, I think it would have been a bad deal because he take 4.5. That's just money. Pittsburgh doesn't have. And He's another guy, the same as uh, Markstrom, that just moves from Vancouver to Calgary. So it's an easy – it's it's not very far. It's convenient for him. Stays in the division. Kind of tough for Vancouver to lose another guy to the to a division rival, but that is what it is. Um, and he could have joined his brother here in Pittsburgh, but oh well, I'm not too upset about it. Um, you skipped over to Foley, though. Did I? Oh, whoops. That happened today. That's there's not a ton to talk about, but he did pretty well towards the end of the year after being traded from LA to Vancouver. He gets 4.5 over four years with Montreal, and they desperately need some offense. So I think that's a pretty good deal for them. I don't know if you have anything more to say on that. 
Yeah, not really. I think we're kind of we're kind of getting to the end of the list, though. Where you know, acknowledge the deal happened, and there's I don't know. They're not really. I don't want to say game changers, but nothing revolutionary. Yeah, there's still there's still a good bit. There is, but Eric Gustafson uh, was traded from uh, Chicago to Calgary at the deadline. Calgary lets him walk. He signs with the Flyers today. He's a very good offensive defenseman. He put up, I think, like 50 points one year with uh, Chicago. It's a pretty good deal. Columbus acquires uh, Max Domi and a third-round pick in exchange for Josh Anderson. It's a pretty interesting deal. Um, Domi has – it's, it's weird because Domi is, used to be a – he was a 70-point guy one year, uh, and he plays center but they had to throw in a pick to get him to uh, Columbus. That's a weird deal to me. I don't know uh, how you feel about having Domi in the division now. I don't know. It seems like Max Domi, I, if I remember correctly, he's been getting sauced around pretty good in the past, like, four or five years. This is his third team. He was drafted, with, drafted by Arizona, and then Arizona traded him for Alex Galchenyuk. <laughs> Uh, oh. Montreal, and then Montreal held on to him for a bit, and now they traded him to Columbus. But I, I kind of feel like I, we see his name a lot yeah, on he, the um, trade boards. but Yeah, so they, that's been a trade in the making. The same with Josh Anderson. Both those guys have been, like, supposed to be traded for a while now, and then they finally get swapped for one another. And ironically enough, they were both, um, uh, they were both London, London Knights, and I think they're friends outside of uh, – Hockey, so that's interesting. Um, a trade that happened yesterday, Brandon Saad gets traded away from the Chicago Blackhawks in a, in a bigger deal, but it was basically for Nikita Zadorov from Colorado. So Brandon Saad's a Colorado avalanche. And the story behind this trade is that uh, Saad's gone and Corey Crawford is also gone from Chicago. He was signed by New Jersey this past week, which we didn't talk about, but um, another goalie move. So a, a uh, article came out saying that the core of the Chicago Blackhawks is pissed at management because they are letting a bunch of their friends go. They're letting Brandon Saad leave. They're letting Corey Crawford leave. So now guys like Taze, Kane, Keith are getting all pissy. So that'll be an interesting story to follow. I don't know. It seems like, at least for Chicago, at least, is where it was like everyone remembers this team from the cup runs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that was what? Five? No. Crap, that was almost 10 years ago. Huh. Um, I feel like everyone just remembers this team from, like, the cup runs and just that whole crew with Patrick Sharp and all those guys. And it's kind of really only been, like, downhill from there. They're pretty close to the bottom of the league. They're not great by any stretch. But I don't know. You complain all you want, but I mean, be a playoff team if you're gonna complain. Yeah, they're on. They're on the downward. They're gonna need to like do a full rebuild. I was afraid that them beating Edmonton in that first round qualifier and upsetting the Oilers was gonna give them like unwavering confidence to just go out and be like, oh, we're a playoff team now. But in but in all seriousness, they're just a bad team. They need to just do a full rebuild. 
and I guess this is the start of it, of letting Crawford walk and trading when we saw it. So that's good. Uh, it's a good start, at least, as long as uh, Kane and Taves don't go all full bitch mode and uh, keep complaining. <laughs> um, Devon Taves, uh, defensive defenseman for the Islanders, traded to Colorado. Colorado is just padding up the, that defense. They have the best defense in the league, in my opinion. And they just pad it with this guy. This guy's a crazy good advanced numbers. So uh, I expect him to do great in Colorado. Colorado adding Saad Antes is uh, quite the Stanley Cup contender now. I think them in Vegas are going to be the Western Conference final for years for years to come, or at least it should be. A um, couple of Leafs notes I wanted to add in. Uh, they had to trade Andreas Janssen to the Devils for a prospect forward, Joey Anderson, in order to move money out because they signed a group of guys over the past week uh, for free agency. Wayne Simmons, TJ Brody, Jimmy Vc, and Zach Bogosian all signed with the Leafs. So they're adding a little more grit, a little more defensive, defensively sound guys to the teams, which has been the biggest critic, uh, the bit, I guess the biggest critical po point of those teams. So Hard to complain now when you have Wayne Simmons on the ice and TJ Brody. Those guys are serious players. Uh, a couple other things, Brandon Dillon. This was – I put this in before all the craziness happened, so looking back at it, this doesn't seem very crazy. But uh, Brandon Dillon re-signed it with the Caps for $3.9 over four years. The Predators bought out Kyle Turris, which is going to be $2 million against their cap for eight years, which blew my mind. That's – that, that, like that's going to be against them for so long. And then he went on to sign with Edmonton. I think he's going to do great in Edmonton. I think that you can, he's one of those guys you could probably throw alongside of Dreisaitl or McDavid and they didn't pay him very much. I think he's making like one or 2 million uh, in Edmonton. He doesn't, he doesn't need a big contract. He's getting so well for the next eight years. Exactly. So there you go. So Edmonton making little ads there. Uh, the Devils acquired Ryan Murray, the former second overall pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They acquired uh, defenseman Ryan Murray from Columbus for, I think it was like a fifth round pick or something. I'm not sure why uh, they made that move. And then later they traded another defenseman, Marcus Nudivara, to the Panthers. And this was before Petrangelo and the Hall signed, but I, I was wondering what are they – opening up all this money for because Murray was about 4 million and Nudivara was like 3 million. So they, they moved out $7 million for basically nothing. Were they trying to sign um, Hall? Were they trying to sign Petrangelo? Like what the hell? I don't know. Cause Columbus, was it two or three years ago? They just made a crap ton of moves. You like Panarin? You remember that? Yeah. yeah, like they went on, they went on one for a couple of days with just they were like rearranging the whole team. So you wonder if they're gonna like try to do something again because it hasn't worked. But in all fairness, they didn't make the playoffs for the first time in like what was it years? Mm -hmm. It was. It's been a hot minute for Columbus, so I guess it kind of worked, but no cup. But um, I don't know. You wonder if they're gonna kind of do the same thing again where they did the essentially it was a fire sale where they just were like we're just gonna reorganize the entire organization pretty much so you wonder if that's going to end up coming or um i don't know because i feel like columbus definitely needs i don't know that they need a star player more than they need a 
decent handful of like mediocre to good players. Like I feel like just with their style of play, they would definitely benefit more from having just like a bunch of like decent guys than they would be with having like Taylor Hall or something. Yeah, I just I was trying to like theorize what they could have been doing because they basically got rid of Murray and Nudivara for nothing. And those are two quality defensemen. So it seemed like all, all signs were pointing towards them going for one of the top free agents. And they still could because there are still guys that are available, like uh, Matt Hoffman or Evgeny Dadnoff. I don't know. Um, I was going to say, because you know how Columbus is, how they're one, they're one of the more, I guess, old-school, grittier teams. Mm-hmm. Is I'm kind of surprised that you didn't see, like, um, what you said with the Leafs, with, like, Simmons and um, – Brody and those guys, I'm kind of surprised they didn't make a move towards those guys because I think they definitely would have fit in well with the um, John Tortorella way and just how that worked because they definitely are very, I I don't want to say old school, but um, they definitely have a very different style of play. I thought those guys would have fit in pretty well and that might might have helped them out, but I don't really know what they're going to go for. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens, but you would think that they would benefit from having some of the, I don't want to say older, but the more seasoned guys, whereas now, like how the NHL's transitioned from kind of the old physical style to now we're at the um, just pure speed. Yeah. You know, I'm with you there. I got you. Um, next thing, uh, we uh, Tyson Berry defenseman of the Avs for a while, and then last season with the Maple Leafs, signed with Edmonton for 3.75 for just one year. And he's the same kind of deal I had, like same kind of thing I have with Turris, just on the defense, is that he's the kind of guy that you can put on the power play with McDavid or Dreisaitl, and he could throw up points. Like he's so offensively talented, not very defensively sound, which Edmonton could have used, but it seems like they're just going with like the Toronto method of just going full offense, just full send in it. And Tyson Berry legitimately could get like 50, 60 points playing on the power play with uh, those two uh, superstars in Edmonton. So I like this deal for Edmonton. Yeah, I don't think I'm kind of surprised that the only um, with the only one year thing because it's like Edmonton's definitely one of those better, I guess, more like upcoming teams where they just kind of keep getting closer and closer each year. So you would have thought he would have, I don't know, I kind of would have thought he would have gotten like a at least like a two or three year deal and just to, to just uh, show some kind of commitment because I think he's definitely one of those players where. Um, if you can get enough guys like him where it's definitely going to help him out in the long run. But, yeah, the one year is kind of surprising, but I guess management kind of like kind of likes it because it's like if he turns out good, then you can resign him for the longer contract because it's essentially just a trial run at this point. Yeah, the word is is that um, he was offered, I think, upwards to like five or six million from a co- an even more term for a couple from a couple other teams, but he's signed for lower for less term and money just so he could play in Edmonton with those two guys. So, I mean, he's he obviously like had the offers available to him, but he made the choice that because he thinks that a year with McDavid and Drysaddle could really up the price, you know. True. So, um, that's that for him. Uh, 
again, some of these that I wrote down were before things got real nuts. So they seem a little insignificant now, but the Ottawa Senators acquired Eric Goodbranson, Penguin great Eric Goodbranson in a trade with the Anaheim Ducks. I think it was like a sixth round pick or a fifth round pick, something like that. They just need to add, add salary because they're going to have so many guys making like league minimum or on their rookie contracts where they need to hit the, uh, you know, the floor, the cap floor. So he makes 4 million. He'll be able to play defense for them. It'll, it'll all work out in that regard. Um, and the last thing we have to say uh, about, about hockey is that this was again, before all the goalie signings and everything, which it surprised me, the Blackhawks are expecting uh, Malcolm Subban, Colin D'Elia, and AHL goaltender Kevin Lankinen to compete for the starter and backup job in the next season. There were so many goalies available, and there still are a few available, and they're choosing to not spend any money adding like actual NHL caliber goaltender. Neither of those three guys, in my opinion, are NHL goalies, and they're just going to ride out with those guys. I don't know how you feel about that, but there could they could have made a move. Even if they're tanking. Yeah, they could have. I don't know. I feel like Subban is a, is a backup isn't a bad idea. But, yeah, I don't know because this is almost like the Penguins deal with the Murray and Flurry, but at least you're dealing with two um, NHL caliber guys. This is just kind of like a – I don't know. This just kind of seems like some weird, like, middle school hockey thing where it's like you have the three goalies, so we're going to just kind of make them play, like, every third game and just see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, you would think that um, unless they're going to full rebuild, because ultimately I think they know that's coming. But I don't know. This is definitely your year to get a goalie because, uh, quite frankly, they're undervalued because of how many are available. So you would think that this would be the year to go snag someone. But I don't know. We still have time left. There's still some guys, some big names on the market. Um. Yeah, I don't know. This this one's just kind of weird. They're in a really weird situation where it's like you don't quite have starters, but it's, I don't know, Chicago has bigger problems than a goalie at this point. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think that's everything for this episode. Um, real quick, we're not going to get in-depth and we're going to do any analysis, but real quick, uh, the Rays won their game two today, so they're up 2 nothing in the ALCS on Houston. And as we speak, uh, Braves and Dodgers are playing game one and the Braves are up one nothing in the bottom of the second. So here's to a Braves Rays World Series. Fingers crossed, am I right? That would definitely be a sight to see. I feel like Houston, yeah, if Houston makes it we're back at war. Screw that. And same thing if the Dodgers make it. So I guess this is what the MLB needs. I'm way more accepting be. of the Dodgers than I am the Astros. <laughs> I guess, but I just think there are two teams that are, it's like... It'd be a rematch. Yeah. But, I don't know, I feel like for the MLB, they just need to... Oh, my God. Imag- imagine Joe Kelly against the Astros. Uh, oh, now I kind of want it. <laughs> now I kind of want uh, it. Man. <laughs> I don't know. I think Raisin... Rays and Braves wouldn't be bad. That'd be the more fun matchup, in my opinion. It definitely would be to draw a different crowd, but... I'm so sick of the Dodgers and Astros, man. God. 
Thank yeah. everyone is. We have that and the damn Yankees. Yeah, but yeah, but they haven't been good in a while now, so screw the Yankees. Um, we have more that we could talk about. We're not going to, though. We wanted to make this the NHL-centric podcast. Obviously, there can be a lot more that can happen over the next couple weeks. Off-season is going to be on for a while because they don't expect the regular – I mean, the uh, yeah, the regular season to start up till January. Training camp is probably going to be in, like, November, December. So there's still going to be things that happen, I'm sure. But all of the big pieces, for the most part, have fallen. Uh, that's kind of what we were just talking about today. So – that Imagine it, starting your first regular season home game as the, as the uh, Winter Classic on January 1st. Did you hear about their plan for the Winter Classic? What? There's So in uh, Banff, Alberta National Park, there's a lake called Lake Louise, uh, and they want to do it outside on, on the lake. They that would be phenomenal. If you now, I feel like no, no, no. This is my thing. I would much rather see that than see them go and rent a football stadium and put no fans in it. And then, because like, what the, what, why? At that point, it's just why. Gonna, I would I'm, much rather see that. I'm gonna post a picture of the of the lake I'm talking about, so you know what I'm talking about. Look how beautiful. Can can we move it to Pittsburgh and have them play on the Allegheny River? Right in between the inlets and outlets for Alcasan. Hear me out. And the last person to not throw up and die from getting either eaten or some infection. That's the last team that wins. That would be incredible. I'm just looking at this picture. That would yes. be phenomenal. However, I feel like the NHL, how you know how they like having things super structured? Yes. I don't know. I I feel like this would be phenomenal, but I just don't think the NHL would do it because you ultimately, Mother Nature runs this at the end of the day. And Well, the idea is to put like a rink over top of it or not on the lake, but like by the lake. Like, make no, it like, screw make, that. If I'm playing it, on the lake, I'm playing on the freaking surface that Mother Nature put there. I'm going to get some Zambonis. We're going to plow that thing flat. Okay. And we're doing it old school. Okay, say a uh, say I don't, who would play? It'd probably be Calgary and like Edmonton. We'll say because it's in Alberta. Say Connor McDavid hits a patch of ice that's like uneven and like shatters his ankle. Imagine the lawsuit NHL would have to deal with for that. No, flatten it out. Except you're playing on that ice because if you're gonna go, don't even bother going there and just slapping a rink on top of it because at that point, why? What is the point? Uh, to be safe. <laughs> Just Zamboni the thing flat. You can't put a Zamboni on a lake. Why? Because it's like a thousand pounds. <laughs> That's Do you know how thick that ice has to be? Okay. Yeah if, it, yeah, if that is how it works, but it might not work that way. It literally might end up being like, like a fucking like 35 so, so you're telling me that that ice can't hold a Zamboni, but it can somehow support the weight of an entire freaking rink. No, that's why I was saying it wouldn't necessarily be on the lake. That's stupid. You still have the backdrop of the mountains and, like, the beautiful area. It's stupid. Why would you ever do that? I would much rather prefer that than Michigan Stadium or Notre Dame, you know? Like, that's stupid shit. I'd much rather put it, like, on an, in a na national park. That's awesome. 
especially if there can't be fans. What's the point of doing this big stadium where there can't be fans? Just that's throw, what I just said. Just, yeah, throw down a rink anywhere and just, like make it look beautiful and just televise it. You can. It's 2020. You can televise from anywhere. You could literally broadcast anything from anywhere. I could broadcast a hockey game from my phone if I wanted to. So it would not be difficult. Like it's it's totally possible. I think it'd be beautiful. It would be, but I don't know. The good old NHL would figure out some magical way. That's a place that me and Josh have been trying to get to, uh, Banff National Park. It is beautiful. If you just Google Banff, B-A-N-F-F, it is so beautiful out there. I really would like to go check it out. But, yes, that that's just a rumor. You mentioned the Winter Classic, so I had to go off on that. That, that got me really excited. Yes. So that's it for us. This is our uh, off-season special. Uh, hope you enjoyed. We'll be back next week, probably finish up the rest of the news. Probably won't be a ton of NHL stuff at that point, but we still have to go. We will. This, I'd imagine the next one's pretty baseball-heavy just because. We'll probably have um, a World Series matchup by then. Yeah, we'll definitely have the matchup. We, do, we won't have a winner, but I believe, yeah, I think Thursday's the last day for any game. So. Yeah, so then we'll definitely have a matchup, so. We'll have one up this weekend. So, yep, we'll um, we'll see you then. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, this is Supreme Leader Lucas with uh, Vice President Kopech. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys later.